0: What's going on today? Some of the stories I want to share with you, uh, and uh, one of them has to be has to do with Hurricane Ian. And so far, 99 people confirmed dead in Florida. Those numbers are just simply going to go up. And uh, there's uh, a big story about, um, I think it's Lee County, uh yeah. where the evacuation uh, happened one day, but the mandatory evacuation order happened one day before the hurricane hit, and so there's a lot of controversy there. Uh, but uh, going back to uh, Hurricane Ian, I want to give you another spin on it. And that's trying to understand hurricanes. Uh, hurricanes, uh, Hurricane is in Utah. You know that outside of St. George. And they make an absolute point of going, it's not hurricane, it's hurricane. Right? It's like Cairo uh, in, uh, is that Texas or is that north? Texas, I think you're yeah, right. Cairo yeah. and it's not pronounced, well, anyway. Uh, the point uh, is, I, I read this story, and uh, I wanted to share this with you because it gives you a little deeper understanding of uh, how climate change may or may not work when it comes to uh, hurricanes. Uh, now, uh, some disasters, it's easy. You know, just A equals B. You know, you've got heat waves, drought, hotter, A equals B. Wildfires, drought, uh, that's what causes it. And. Uh, Warmer climates, A equals B. That's easy. But with hurricanes, it's a little bit more complicated. So what the UN did is put together a panel of climate scientists, hundreds of them from all over the world, to really look at this. And it's kind of interesting. Uh, They say it's an established fact uh, that industrial carbon pollution has led to an increase in frequency or intensity. But when it comes to hurricanes... Uh, their language is likely as opposed to absolute because hurricanes are a lot more complicated. All right. It's um, it's a really interesting scientific stuff. So uh, I'll try to get into it a little bit because I was looking through it. I go, wow, I didn't know that. All right. Climate change is uh, changing hurricanes. We know that. Uh, we're seeing uh, more intense hurricanes and warmer weather, warmer climate. Uh, climate. That goes back 30 years. We've known that. And uh, according to uh, this report from the U.N., we can expect to see uh, more of the highest categories, CAT 3s, 4s, 5s, than we have uh, before. And uh, what climate change does do, and I'll explain this a little bit, uh, it changes and it raises the speed limit on hurricanes. In other words, in question of the frequency, not so much. In terms of the speed limit, how fast they're moving, absolutely. Uh, And that's because of some physics here. Uh, The hurricane collides with greenhouse gases. And the more the greenhouse gases, the more the hurricane is spinning, faster, more intense. And here is why. A hurricane is a heat engine, as it was explained Uh, uh, This UN report's kind of neat because it uh, it goes into depth and makes it easy for us to understand. And what uh, water does, evaporate from the sea surface, and it transfers heat from the ocean to the atmosphere, and that speeds up the the storm. And here's the part that's interesting. How does the ocean get hot in the first place? And here's some science. Uh, There's only one way for heat to get into the ocean, just one way, and that's sunlight. Very few bonfires are out there on the ocean creating heat. So you've got sunlight. So how does it leave the ocean and then move up and help create hurricanes and add strength? Well, it uh, goes back as infrared radiation. In other words, the heat uh, that's in the ocean comes back direct to sunlight. The heat comes back. It's uh, infrared radiation. And what that does... Uh, The carbon dioxide uh, pollutants prevent infrared radiation from escaping. It clamps it down. That's the greenhouse effect. And because the heat is clamped down, cramped down, it has nowhere to go. So how does it, what does it do? Well, uh, the evaporation speeds up, which means more heat is produced. See, this is where it gets a little complicated because it's not just A equals B when it comes to hurricanes. And it creates the condition for water to evaporate faster, which means that the warmer heat is going up quicker. And hurricanes, because of that, uh, they strengthen far faster than they used to. I've talked about this, rapid intensification. Uh, They just get stronger quicker. And uh, the storm's top wind can really increase by at least 35 miles per hour over a 24-hour period. And that is astronomical. And here is uh, the phrase that, uh, taking away from the report, that I like the best. The forecaster's nightmare is going to bed with a tropical storm in the Gulf of Mexico and waking up to a Category 4 bearing down on a city without people having time to evacuate. Exactly what happened with Hurricane Ian. Rapid textbook case of... uh, the uh, power of uh, the hurricane. I mean, it hit when it hit Texas. It was virtually a Category Five. It ramped up so quickly. So, I thought you were talking there, uh, Jennifer. Sorry about that. So uh, we have a situation where, at least in terms of hurricanes, uh, this is one that's going to be very difficult. And this is not one of those things uh, that uh, is easy to deal with uh, because those are happening. There's really uh, no way to prepare for them other than warning. Uh, You can't do mitigation. You can't do, uh, for example, uh, forest mitigation. Can't do any of that. I mean, it's just going to happen and they're going to get worse. And uh, remind me not to move to Florida or along the Gulf of uh, Mexico. Thank you very much. Okay, coming up, uh, Ukraine's fight against Russia, the latest. I want to share with you a lot of information. And is it about—is World War III about to start? Eh, maybe World War II and a half. That's coming up. A lot going on, uh, very bad news. And we expected this uh, coming out of uh, the number of deaths that uh, have been confirmed uh, in Florida as a result of uh, Hurricane uh, Ian uh, just, as, I think it's 99 officially now, and, and and as rescue attempts keep on going, uh, they're finding they're finding more. I mean, they're finding dead people in homes and they just couldn't get out. Uh, also, uh, North Korea it just fired another ballistic missile right over Japan, landing in the Pacific. Uh, that's fun. That's the fifth one in 10 days. And uh, the other huge news internationally is what's going on in Ukraine. Now, uh, the, this war between Russia and uh, Ukraine has unbelievably important international uh, complications uh, for a bunch of reasons. I mean, there are wars out there that, eh, you know, uh, well, I mean, for the people that are dying there, it's a tough deal. But, you know, when we went to Serbia and Grenada, uh, it really didn't affect the entire world, even the war in Vietnam, even the war in Afghanistan. Uh, didn't really affect uh, the world. This one does. Why is that? Because the economy is teetering. The inflation is hitting the entire world. Uh, Russia with its oil and gas. Uh, now we're talking, and the possibility of tactical nuclear weapons. Uh, we're talking about some pretty serious stuff here. So here's the latest what's going on. All right. The counteroffensive offensive from uh, Ukraine attacking Russian forces in the east has succeeded beyond Ukraine's wildest expectations, or maybe not. Let me put it this way. It succeeded beyond the expectations of the entire Western world. And you've got Putin now, uh, who is desperate. There's no other There's no other way of describing it. And uh, keep in mind that as he annexed those four areas, uh, saying, hey, they are part of Russia, and we will defend Russia with all means possible, Uh, and he stamps his uh, fist on the table. At that moment, the Ukrainians are kicking the crap out of Russia and Russia is retreating like crazy. In the very area, we are going to defend and we will make sure this is Russia forever, is specifically what he said. Well, if it's Russia forever, uh, Russia is in the hands of Ukraine, which no one thought would happen. But still, big, big questions. There are Three big issues, uh, determining factors as to what's going to happen. Uh, one, without uh, future help, support from America and the European allies, uh, it's an issue for Ukraine. Can they do it without our help? They cannot. Also, what are the risks that Putin is willing to take? That's up the air, up in the air. And then something that we're not talking a lot, and that is, uh, okay, Ukrainians win. What does victory look like? They go back to the original Russian borders, where Ukraine and Russia met, and even though Russia had accepted uh, or never accepted those borders, had said, and Putin said this forever for decades, is Ukraine is really Russia? The entire of Ukraine is really Russian. So this is uh, uh, this is not new. I mean, we've known about this for a long time. Uh, The problem is, is that, uh, is uh, the border going to change? Because certainly the rest of the world views the border between Ukraine and Russia as that line that is on maps. So maybe there'll be uh, some kind of a negotiated settlement, including Russia taking part of that area. Let me tell you, the the Europeans are going, yeah, 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 that may be the answer. And why is that? Well, because uh, winter is coming. That sound familiar, by the way. Television show wise, just me, just I've heard that before. Uh, that's true. Uh, the difference in winter is coming is not a television show where dragons start flying around. Uh, this is where people, particularly in Germany, are looking at a winter without heat, and they're sweating bullets. Well, actually, they're not sweating at all because they're going to be freezing. They rely, uh, well, fifty percent. Of the gas and oil that they consume comes from Russia. Now, there are countries out there, Moldova and other countries, that uh, get a lot more from Russia. But now I'm going to give you some uh, geopolitical, real politics, as Henry Kissinger used to say. We don't care about Moldova. Nah, it's too small a country. It's eh, okay, fine. Uh, or Lithuania or any of those countries. I mean, it's horrible if uh, they don't have oil and they're all sitting at home and using candlelight, you know, and it is terrible, but it doesn't have the repercussions that Germany has. Germany is the most important character in this play. And here's Germany saying, you know what? Maybe we want to talk. Right now, Germany is on our side, but as I said, winter is coming, and that may change everything. A couple of other practical measures, too, about this. Uh, We've given uh, the, we, the United States, $14 billion in aid to Ukraine, most of it uh, in military aid, the vast majority in military aid, artillery, equipment, uh, things like uh, just tactical gear, uh, jeeps, tanks, all of that. And how long can we sustain that? At what point is the United States going to go and the people of the United States and Congress going to go, hey, you know, we can't keep on doing this. We can't give them uh, literally billions and billions of dollars if this becomes a war of attrition. Okay, that's one. That's a political view. There's also the fact we may not have it anymore. I mean, we're going through our inventory. And uh, as Ukraine keeps on fighting successfully, they're just running out of inventory because we're running out of inventory. There, there isn't that much there, even if we wanted to. So right now, most of the world is supporting Ukraine. This is the Western world, but you know, don't know how long that's going to last. So what's going on in Russia? Well, Putin's in a little bit of trouble. Uh, He called for, because he needs more troops, the partial mobilization, 300,000 troops. There are more than 300,000 people, men of uh, conscription age, who have bailed out of Russia. No one wants to go in this war. There was a report yesterday that Russia literally pulled half of its force in Ukraine back to Russia because the troops were just untrained. They didn't know what they're doing. And the reason Ukraine is winning, and we didn't think this, the Russian military is subpar. I'll tell you, Putin kept that a secret for a while. The training is horrible. The morale is horrible. The equipment is antiquated, outdated, not well maintained. And on the other side uh, are the Ukrainians well equipped, highly trained, highly motivated. They're defending their own homeland. So what's the bottom line? Well, since Putin is scared right now, what the hell is he going to do? There's some dissension going on in Russia. He is saying, we are, I am going to do everything I can to make sure that this area stays Russian, and I will use whatever it is uh, as a means to do so. And he has been talking about tactical nuclear weapons now for weeks, and there's a whole story there. What happens if he uses tactical nuclear weapons and uh, we'll probably do that in the next day or two. In the meantime, uh, yesterday was the first day of the Supreme court. And I'm going to tell you about uh, the Supreme court session. And I'm going to tell you about three huge cases that could literally change America. And some of the big stories we are covering uh, in Florida. Now the number of dead as a result of hurricane Ian is now 99 people still four four in North Carolina. And, uh, uh, it's getting rough and they're finding more and more people because as they're going through these various areas that are completely devastated Fort Myers, uh, uh, for example, is, um, I mean, it's apocalyptic. If you look at it and they're actually finding people in the debris and they bring in cadaver dogs and, uh, I mean, it's horrific. It really is. And a fun one, former president Trump is suing CNN Uh, Because uh, CNN keeps referring uh, to Trump and Trump Burr's position with the election as the big lie. And they've said it, I don't know how many, 7,000 times in the lawsuit. And all he wants is $475 million in damages. And he's suing basically anybody and everybody who is publicly saying that he did not win the election. Now, one of the things in talking about uh, former President Trump is uh, the concept that... A president has unbelievable influence, and under the right circumstances, a president could have influence, major influence, on the United States for 30 years, long after he or she leaves office, which is exactly this case. Trump left office uh, a couple of years ago. He's done as the president. Still tremendous uh, influence on the Republican Party, but as far as the president, he, presidency, he's done. He put in three justices, which effectively have and will change America as we know it. First and foremost is the Dobbs decision, overturning Roe v. Wade. We know about that, clearly. The expansion of Second Amendment rights to the exclusion of any kind of gun control. Uh, We're going to talk about the issue of voting in just a moment. Uh, LGBTQ rights are... uh, uh, in jeopardy, but that has to do with another premise that the court is ruling, has ruled and will continue to rule and expand religious freedom. And the, the premise here is whatever you do in terms of your belief or non-belief that has great weight in certain circumstances, uh, overrides anything else. Now, so far we know about the cupcake and the bakery battles and the court has come to the conclusion uh, that if you believe in your heart Uh, that somehow homosexuality is a sin, you cannot help that. So if a gay couple wants business from you or wants to do business, that can't do it with me. I don't believe in uh, you guys. Love you. You know, love the sin. Uh, Love the sinner, just not the sin. Uh, Whatever the hell else they say. So there are three major cases that are going on right now. Uh, Today, the court hears uh, Merrill v. Milligan. And this involves redistricting in Alabama. Alabama has seven uh, seats, congressional seats, one black seat because of the way they drew the map. And so it created, even though Alabama has uh, what, uh, I think a quarter black population or a third, one black district out of seven because they effectively drew the, the electoral map the court is going to hear whether that is in violation of uh, the Voting Rights Act, the Civil Rights Era law. I mean, it it goes back uh, literally uh, to the beginning of the Civil Rights Era. And uh, the court, if it upholds Alabama, which it's going to do, the states can determine and draw their maps any way they want. And if they somehow come up with a plan, which Alabama did, that one seat is going to be a black seat and six will be white. Hey, states have a right to do that. We can't tell the states, even if the allegation is there is discrimination on its face, which a previous court would would say, that's unconstitutional. You can't do that. Even though states have a right to determine uh, the districts, you can't cut out entire groups of people. Well, the court's going to say, yes, you can. Uh, That's going to be easy, uh, effectively saying it's states' rights. And the states do control the elections, just how far they control. Affirmative action, that's going to happen. And you've got two cases coming down in affirmative action. And the court has said, uh, and this has gone through the years that while affirmative action per se is not legal, and that is choosing someone, allowing someone in college, this is for college education, allowing someone in college based solely on race is illegal. Can't do it. It's discrimination. But using race as a factor, which I've never understood how they do that, but uh, using race as a factor is allowed. Supreme Court case coming up saying that's not going to be allowed. Race cannot be determined at all. Which is uh, what the court originally said as these cases evolved. And so they came to this compromise of uh, race as a factor. I think that's going to be tossed out. Incidentally, if you don't use race at all, guaranteed that the number of uh, minorities are going to be fewer that are going to be allowed in school. Now, you can talk left or right all day about affirmative action. And I think both sides have a good argument. Uh, it is discrimination uh, either way. But uh, the point is the court is going to go in the direction of uh, that race will not even be a factor. And the argument is uh, that the court effectively is anti-minority. That's the argument. And then there is a partisan gerrymandering case uh, in North Carolina and uh, this really changes uh, the balance of power in federal elections, and this has to do with the states having full and complete power over even counting the vote. Uh, that, according to the court, uh, literally, the, this this case uh, is uh, the premise is uh, state courts, secretaries of state uh, have no power. It's the state legislatures that have the power to count. No overseeing whatsoever. And let me ask you, in this last election, if the state legislature had the full power to decide uh, and count the votes and decide who wins, and you can't even go to court to argue that, what do you think would have happened? Supreme Court is going to change a lot of America. I mean, a whole lot of America. Handle, I have some of the saddest country music news. Not that we didn't know that this was eventually going to happen, but Loretta Lynn just died. Oh. oh. Well, I was born to call Yeah. Boy, there's an icon. Oh, oh, that's a shame. Gosh. Yeah. 90 years old. She died at her home in Hurricane Mills, Tennessee. Uh, this one, she I didn't realize that Coal Miner's Daughter came out in 70, 1970, but she started uh, her career in 1966. Um, She was born in a one-room rural Kentucky cabin in 1932, one of eight, and in fact was a coal miner's daughter. She's got a hell of a history in country music, but just a trailblazer. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's move to uh, the Oath Keepers trial coming back. What's going on? First day, uh, it's, it's a good one. It really is. And now we know what their defense is going to be. I thought so, but now we know. Uh, Bill Handel here in the morning crew on a Tuesday, October 4th. Breaking news. As Jennifer just said, Loretta Lynn just died, age of 90. Uh, also in Florida, uh, we now have confirmed 99 people have uh, already been confirmed dead as a result of Hurricane uh, Hurricane Ian. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, that, that's a tough day. But uh, I, I, theoretically, this next story would be tough, but I'm just having a rip-roaring good time with it, at least legally. Uh, And this is a handle on the law fascination with this, and that has to do with the trial of uh, the Oath Keepers Four people, including uh, the founder and the head honcho of the Oath Keepers, the guy with the uh, patch on his eye. And they are being accused, all four of them, are being accused of seditious conspiracy. This is almost never been used uh, in the history of the United States. Well, we've never had in the history of the United States a group of Americans who try to uh, stop the peaceful transfer of power from one president to one administration to the other. That's brand new. Matter of fact... The other thing of January 6th that's brand new that has never happened is Americans attacking the Capitol. This is the second time in the history of the United States that uh, the Capitol was attacked. First time, 1814, the War of 1812, when the Brits came in and attacked Washington, burnt down the White House, uh, and uh, attacked uh, the Capitol, and uh, successfully so. Okay, done. We win the war. It's over. Goodbye. And now, last year, January 6th, Americans coming in and attacking uh, an insurrection. Uh, and this case is about literally stopping the transfer of power, sedition against the United States. Uh, basically, treason uh, is what it is, except treason can only happen uh, during wartime. So you've got five alleged members who are being tried. And we now know opening statements were yesterday. And now it's getting, it's going to get complicated because it's one case with five defendants. Each one of which has an attorney. Each attorney is trying to argue, that's his or her job, that his or her client is not guilty. In other words, I'm not worried about anybody else. All I'm proving to you, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, is my client is not guilty. I don't care what you do with the other four, but here is uh, their basic defense, as uh, we uh, found out yesterday. The Department of Justice, as an offense, uh, laid out uh, its uh, opening statements. Opening statements merely set out what the case is going to be. Here's what I'm going to prove. Here is what uh, we're accusing the defendants uh, of doing. By the way, they don't say here's what we accuse of. They say this is what they did. They were part of an insurrection. They were part of trying to overthrow the government of the United States. How so? By transferring, not transferring power to the duly elected person who became president, Joe Biden, By keeping a president who was not elected in power. That we call a dictatorship. That we call against the very concept of a democratic uh, way of life that we have. And that's why you hear the Democrats talk about democracy is at risk here. Because if the premise goes forward and there are... Plenty of Republicans, 74% think that uh, the election was stolen. 74% of Republicans out there, all of them, think the election was stolen. And a good percentage believe that it is constitutional and it is our duty as Americans to have made sure that Donald Trump stayed president because he won the election. I mean, it's just totally turned around. What is the defense of the Oath Keepers? Now, they're in tactical gear. There are emails going back and forth. They talk about stopping the election. The defenses, they came there for security. They came there to make sure the mob did not do anything illegal. They basically were a private security force, and they were there to maintain the peace. That is why they dressed up that way. They were there simply to maintain the peace. Now, the problem becomes, did they stop anybody from going in? No, not really. Uh, did they help people? Were they part of going in? Some of them were. Some of them were outside. Matter of fact, they had honcho wasn't even there. But the argument is he planned it. Uh, the emails went back and forth. Conversations went back and forth. And uh, that's what they were going to say. It's like one of the previous insurrectionists who was uh, convicted of attacking the police officer and ripping off his mask uh, and uh, allowing the uh, police officer to be sprayed uh, with pepper spray. His defense was, I tried to put the mask on him to protect him. But wait a sec, the mask was already on him. You ripped it off. I was try. knew it was coming off, and I was there to merely help him, to make sure he wasn't sprayed. Let me tell you how that went with the jury. And uh, so uh, or, uh, is the jury going to buy that uh, these men, one woman, were there as peacekeepers, were there to make sure there was no violence? That's going to be their defense. Okay. We'll, we'll see what happens with this jury. Go figure. Coming up. It's Tech Tuesday with Rich DeMuro, right here, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com.